Good morning. It's good to see each of you here today. As you're aware, our pastor is unable to be with us today because of illness. Uh, most of us have received, I believe, the email, and he informed us that he and Miss Debbie are both doing much better today. So we are delighted to that answer to prayer, and I want to encourage you to continue praying for them as well as our entire church family and others who are having to deal with this virus uh, that's been going on for so long now. If you're visiting with us this morning for the first time, we want to welcome you to the First Baptist Church, Sun City West. Uh, if you have not been here before, we would appreciate it if you would take a visitor's card that's right in front of you. Fill that visitor's card out, please, and put it in the, uh, leave it at, at the doors when you leave. I started to say the offering plate. We don't use offering plates now. But leave it on that box at the door, and we'd like to have contact and be aware of your presence with us as we worship together today. Let's uh, bow together in a moment of prayer, silent prayer, as we get ready to begin our continued worship service. Father, you are in our midst. You are here with us. We're not alone. You brought us to this place together because for each of us, there's a special need that we have, a reason to be here. Father, you've spoken to us during the study of your word. And now through the music, through the spoken word as we preach in just a while, we pray that you continue to be with us and speak to us. We lift up to you today, Father, not only our pastor and his wife, but all who might be viewing our service today. We pray your blessings and your protection upon each and every one. It's been a time of difficulty for so many. And Father, we just thank you for your love, your continued presence. And as we continue to worship and to honor you today, through each of us together, might your Holy Spirit be seen, felt, and might we be guided by you this day as we continue to worship. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And we are blessed today to have Dr. Bob Marty in the pulpit. He will be sharing with us in a few minutes the message God has laid on his heart. In Psalm 147, we read, Great is our Lord and mighty in power. Great is the Lord Almighty. Would you stand together as we sing? Oh, 
us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we begin today by giving you thanks. Your love endures forever. It never fails. As we open the service today, let us make a joyful noise to you. We pray that we would hear your voice. We ask that your Holy Spirit would be at work, opening our ears to hear and our hearts to receive your word. May we be transformed in your likeness. In Jesus' name, amen. The next hymn is based on a verse that you probably learned in Vacation Bible School many years ago. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. Thy word. Spirit, rain 
us to sing that little chorus again a cappella. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul.
Have you ever been in a worship service in which you were mystified by what was taking place in the service? In which you felt the power and the presence of God come down in such a way that you literally did not know quite how to respond to it? A few uh, years ago, my wife and I spent some time in Zimbabwe. And while we were in Zimbabwe, the Southern Baptist Convention's first church that was founded there observed its 50th anniversary. I had the honor of being able to speak at that 50th anniversary in Zimbabwe. And uh, we got there early. We were considered to be uh, special. And because we were special, we had the privilege of sitting under a tent. And we were given cookies and lemonade and ice water. The other people who came to the service weren't quite as fortunate as we were because they stood in the hot sun, and I mean the hot sun. While the service was getting ready to begin, and it was about an hour late before it started, from the time we were told it was going to start, weren't hardly any folks at all there for the dedication and celebration. Now, the amazing thing was, after a while, we started to hear some singing. And as we listened, the singing got louder, and it got louder, and it got louder. So I said to one of the missionaries who was there with us, I said, what is the noise? He said, the church service is getting ready to start. <laughs> and I said, the church service is getting ready to start. I thought we were supposed to start about an hour ago. I whispered it. I didn't say it loud. I thought we were to start about an hour ago. Well, they said, you see, the people gather in town and then they walk the three miles from town to the church. And then when they get to the church, that's when church starts. That's when it begins. In those moments, after those folks arrived, the power of God began to come down. That was a celebration unlike anything this old country boy had ever seen growing up on the farm. Never had I experienced anything like it. It was amazing what was taking place. The message today is entitled, When Glory Fills the House. It comes from 2 Chronicles chapter 5, verses 2-14. through 14. You can look at it as we go through the message this morning. That day... That day, I want to tell you something. The power of God came down. I noticed where the pastor's message today was supposed to have been on revelation. God revealing himself. God revealed himself to all of us who were present on that day in a very special way. Some years ago, when I was an 18-year-old kid off the farm, I went away to college. Now, I was raised in an extremely conservative Baptist home. I mean, my parents would probably be amazed to know that there are cards in our house. <laughs> that was a sin. You didn't smoke, you didn't chew, and you didn't go with girls who do. <laughs> because that was wrong, that was a sin. Something we should not do. So it was conservative. So I went away to college. 
I had an assignment given to me to study a certain doctrine, and I'm not going to go into it because I do not want to offend anyone if you came out of a background such as I'm going to make mention of. But it was just a few blocks from the school. And I went by myself. And I got there. The service was going to start at 6.30 that night. It was a meeting in a little house. It had about 40 people crammed in that little house. I got there at 6.25, and it already started. And I thought, this ain't no Baptist church. <laughs> no way is that a Baptist church that they've already, they started early. And I went in, and I, I sat down the only place I could find in that little building. And it was over right next to an older gentleman who was sitting there, and he had a cane, and he was sitting by himself, and there was a potbelly stove just about five feet in front of us. The service got exciting, to say the least. And I'm sitting there as wide-eyed as you can get, because coming up in the Baptist church, you didn't, that, that sort of thing didn't happen. And all of a sudden, everyone stood up, and they started clapping, and they started praising the Lord, and they started speaking a language I didn't understand. And I'm still sitting there while everybody else is up except myself and this old gentleman. All of a sudden, the Spirit got him. He slapped his hands, and he jumped up and raised his hands and started dancing right in front of me. Scared me so bad, I turned the seat over. That, I'm not telling you that to be funny, because... I reached down, got that seat and set it back up, and you know not a soul, not a soul in that building looked at me. Not a soul. Probably this morning, if someone gets out and has to go to the bathroom or to get a drink or they're not feeling well, everybody's going to turn around and rubberneck them. But God was felt in that place that night. Second Chronicles chapter 2, or chapter 5, beginning at verse 2, we're going to look at something that we're all aware of. Another way in which God reveals himself to us, and we don't ever stop and think about it, perhaps. Because we're going to look in Chronicles, Second Chronicles chapter 5, at the dedication of the temple. And here's the background, and it's all there for you. It starts out by telling us that God had told Solomon he wanted a temple built. God undoubtedly even gave the direction to him how the temple was supposed to be built. And that's the way it was built. So the temple has been built. It was said to be a magnificent building unlike anything anyone had ever seen. It is said to have been 30 feet wide, 90 feet long. The walls that were in the building were covered with tons of solid gold. Magnificent beyond imagination. And then the Bible tells us about the dedication of the temple and what took place and how it happened and everything that did happen to all of those even who were there. It's an amazing thing. It tells us what happens, what happens when the glory of God fills the house. Now, I had some folks call me and say, I'm not going to be there today, but I'm going to be there in spirit. Be careful you don't sit on them. But said, I'm going to be there in spirit. Or some of my preaching brethren says to me, uh, how long are you going to preach? I said, just long enough. Just long enough. Now, the glory of God is going to be here. He's here now. And when we look at this passage of Scripture, there's some things we can look at and see and think about. Being a Baptist, you're supposed to have 
primarily three points in a poem. I got three points, no poem. But we're going to look at what Scripture has to say. The Bible talks to us about all of the saints being present. Everyone was there. Now look at the first verses of that fifth chapter. Instructions were given by Solomon to all of those who were supposed to be there. There's nothing more you can say except all of the saints were present. Everyone was there. Why were they there? Because God had given the direction that they be there. God said, this is what I expect. And it was done. And you look at that and you think to yourself, does God want all of his people to be present all the time? Well, I'm not God. I can't answer that question. But this much I can tell you, that I believe very firmly. God wants us to be there when we can. The Bible says that the saints are to be present. And it tells us about all of those who were there. About what was getting ready to take place. And it must have been something miraculous beyond human imagination. I can't even begin to think what it's like. I heard this story told by a preaching professor about something you shouldn't do. And this was one of his, thing, his little stories. He said, there was a country boy one time who began preaching. So he started to preach and he makes the comment because after three years, he's ready to leave and go to another church. So he says to the congregation, he said, this afternoon at 2.30 in our church, he said, we're going to have a funeral service. And just in case you say the name, I'm going to change it here. He said, Mr. Robert Marty will be here for his funeral service. The first time in three years he's even been to church. But he'll be here for his funeral. Sad. But so true. Because you see, being a Christian involves much more than our being a member of a church. Much, much more. And when the Bible talks to us, and when we look at what the Scripture says in 2 Chronicles chapter 5, here's something I believe we find very distinctly. The building is not the church. The people are the church. When the church service is over today, where are we going to go? We're leaving and going somewhere. It may be home, it may be to eat, maybe to visit someone. Well, we're going to leave. But the building sits here. The building, look at 2 Chronicles chapter 5. The building was built under the direction that God gave. All the saints came to the church because God said, this is who I want. King Solomon sends the word out, this is who's supposed to be there, and I expect you to be there. And by jiggers, they showed up. The king said so. God is our king. God says to honor me. God says to be obedient to me. God said, this is what I want. And somehow in that equation, it doesn't seem that we ought to have the right to argue and to question God when God gives directions to us. But this much we learn from 2 Chronicles chapter 5, that the building was there and the people came. But there's some other things that begin to happen. Not only were they there, but the Bible says there were sacrifices that were made. So many sacrifices were made. 
that the Bible says that they could not even count the number of animals that were slaughtered for sacrifice. Imagine. It's right there in the scripture. This is what God was requiring. How much sacrifice do we make? As a Christian, as a believer, as a church member. Now, choir, I want to say thank you. I know you all make sacrifices. I know that every Wednesday afternoon, for at least an hour, you're here. Preparing to lead us in worship service. And I know this church has people who are prayer warriors. You're making sacrifice, time and giving. Those who teach, those who lead, those who are involved. Because this is what worship is also about. This is what the Christian life is about. It is about sacrifice. About our willingness to be and to become that which God wants us to be. Churches are amazing creations of God. Do any of you, can any of you think of any little slogan or anything that was ever said in Baptist life over the years? All sorts of things. We've had surefire ideas that never fail. They fizzled out. We had something new that came into existence that had never been done to Baptist church before. And all of a sudden, those things are gone. What are we supposed to do? We're supposed to learn how to sacrifice. Look in the scripture. Not just in 2 Chronicles. Look in the scripture and think for just a moment. What does the Bible say God did? God gave His Son. God gave His Son. We have two sons. I can't even imagine what it would be like to have to give a child up. To lose a child. But voluntarily, God gave His Son. But why did He do it? Because God loves every single one of you. Every single one of us. God loves all of His creation. And God said, I love you so much. I'm going to allow my son to die that you may receive forgiveness of sin and the gift of life everlasting. That's a gift of God. And God asked us for sacrifice. I said jokingly a while ago, some phone calls said, well, I'll be there in spirit. Man, I want the spirits here. I want God to be in the worship service with us. I want us to feel God's power and God's presence. And to understand that it's not just here. When a church comes together, but the church goes out into the community to share the good news of Jesus Christ. That's what he's called us to do. It is not up to men who have been in the ministry to be the only ones, to be soul winners. And so many people say, but I don't know how to tell anyone about Jesus. I don't know all the verses of scripture. I don't know how to handle it. I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. Let me make a suggestion to you. If I'm lost and I don't know Jesus... Don't start, quoting, don't start quoting scriptures to me. Tell me what's happened in your life. I don't understand the scriptures yet. I'm lost. So just tell me, please, what did Jesus do in your heart? How was your life changed? How are you different now than you were before? Sacrifices. Sometimes sacrifices are not as great as we want to make them. Sometimes sacrifice is simply being faithful, faithful, to what God has said he wants us to do. But the sacrifices, they're always there. We don't know how we're going to handle them at times. We seem to be doing more than ever as a church. As churches. 
But yet, it seems as if, according to statistics, the church is beginning to decline. Why? Why? Could it be that the joy of what we have in knowing Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior is a joy that we have somehow, for some strange reason, buried down deep in our soul where we simply do not know how to get it out of there? Could it be? Sacrifice needs to be made. So what do we find in that book, in that chapter? Second Chronicles. All the saints were there because God said that's where they needed to be. Then it said that sacrifices needed to be made. But before we go much farther sacrifices, one of the things that happens in sacrifices is uh, we have to give up a little bit of energy, right? Are any of you energetic this morning? No one's jumped up and shouted hallelujah. But do you have any energy this morning? The world we live in is always talking about energy. And I think churches sometimes talk about energy. I've heard it said that if you want to die early, you join a Baptist church, tell them you'll do something, it'll have you do everything there is to do, and they'll kill you. Be careful about volunteering, I guess. But we talk about energy. What are we going to do about energy? What's the world going to do? What's America going to do about energy? A preacher uh, in a revival I had one time, I had come to my church to preach, uh, he had something that was really interesting. And I've kept it for a lot of years. And I, I want to read this to you. It's on energy. And you say, what does that have to do with the sermon this morning? Well, let's look and see. There's a great deal of concern in the world of energy, and yet there's no lack of energy in the universe. I was reading recently about a very common occurrence called a thunderstorm. Did you know that at any one moment an estimated 1,800 awesome spectacles in a thunderstorm is somewhere in the world? One of the most awesome spectacles is that flash of a bolt of lightning. A flash of lightning, according to scientists, can measure as little as 300 feet, or in some extreme cases be as long as 20 miles. These flashes of lightning are at a fantastic speed. Scientists say, and I don't know how they record all of this. Scientists say that the downward flash of lightning is at the speed of anywhere from 100 to 1,000 miles per second. And the return flash is even greater. 87,000 miles, 87, miles per second. Do you know how hot a flash is? Scientists say that it can measure as much as 30,000 degrees centigrade. A point of comparison is that that's more than five times hotter than the surface of the sun. Scientists say that just one good-sized thunderstorm generates more electric power than could be used by a large city over a period of several days, and yet every bit of it is wasted because we do not know how to harness that power. The energy is there, but it's wasted. And I can't help but think that there's a greater energy that's wasted than that. And that is the spiritual, the spiritual potential of God's children. What we can do but depend upon the power of God's Holy Spirit in our life. How that sometimes in the church, as a people, as an individual, we have that concept that we can do this and we can do that, but we never perhaps consult with God 
and ask for the power and the presence of him in our life and the power of the Holy Spirit. When I was a child and they talked about the Holy Spirit, it kind of scared me because I couldn't see it. And as I get older and older and older, I think to myself at the same time, I still don't understand the Holy Spirit. I know the Spirit is there. Maybe instead of being concerned about the energy that the world has, we ought to learn to be more concerned about the spiritual energy that we have. And I know we're, we're, we're getting older. We're getting older. We are not what we used to be. And sometimes we just kind of sit down and say, well, that's, that's about it for me. I'm done. Somehow I don't think we're doing the right thing. When we're done, God takes us home. And when God decides to take us home, there's something we can do. But, but that's going to that's require some sacrifice on our part. Some sacrifice. Energy. Energy. God gives us all of the energy we need to be faithful and obedient, to be a soul winner, to be a leader, to just be that person who says, I'm going to be praying for you. I don't know how many folks said to me, Bob, I'm going to be praying for you today. I appreciate it. I can only be here because of God's power. Your prayer. But then there's something else that happened in 2 Chronicles chapter 5. The third thing that happened in 2 Chronicles chapter 5 was, and you remember what we said that everyone came into the temple? Because this is what Solomon had been told by God to tell them to do, and they did what God told Solomon to tell them to do. They did it. Then, with Solomon and all of the others as the leader, they carried the Ark of the Covenant into the temple. Now, remember I said everyone was present that day. And you say, well, how can a building 30 foot by 90 foot hold all those people? I didn't say they all went in there. But they knew what was happening. They even knew what was getting ready to happen. But I want you to look at your Bibles. Look what the Bible says. They carried in the Ark of the Covenant. What was in the Ark of the Covenant? What God had given on the mountain. That's what was in there. The Ten Commandments. That's all that was in there. No other writing. No other thoughts. No one else had anything. It was only the commandments that God gave. I look at this passage of Scripture. You know what I think about Maybe we take too much time sometimes as preachers trying to come up with something good and different and unique in order to present the gospel of Christ. But when you look at the scripture in 2 Chronicles chapter 5, and I'm not saying we're wrong, but 2 Chronicles chapter 5, it says that when that Ark of the Covenant was carried in, that contained nothing else except the Ten Commandments, God's presence was there. The power of God came down. People had to get out of there because the power of God was so great and dynamic. Man, what would it be like? First Baptist Church, Sun City West. 
If all of a sudden in the worship service, the power of God came down and we were just encompassing, we didn't know what it was. One person told me that one time God's Holy Spirit got a hold of them and said, I felt like I could hardly breathe. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to handle it. Maybe we ought to take some of that that we felt and put that to use. Maybe we ought to learn how to depend upon God's Word. I'd like to sing to you this morning, but you'd leave. Because I can think so many songs would be great right now to sing. Because of the way God touches our hearts and our lives through music, through the spoken word. But I want you to notice, the Bible says that when God's glory came down, it was after the people that God said, my people were there because God said come. And then sacrifices had to be made. God made the sacrifice in the person of His Son, Jesus Christ. And then the Word of God was brought in to the sanctuary. And the Bible says to us that there was so much of the power and the presence of God that the priests had to get out of there. They couldn't handle it. Oh, that today perhaps there would be a time and a way in which God's power would come down upon every single one of us. Some other minister may look at this passage of Scripture and say, I wouldn't preach it that way. Good, preach it your way. But I can tell you this. When God's word was carried into that room, something happened. And something took place. I don't believe anyone paid any attention to anyone getting up and going out. I believe they were focused upon the fact that God is here in this place. Do you remember what it felt like when you trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Wasn't that the greatest feeling in the world? When you knew that your sins had been forgiven and now you had become a child of God? What a wonderful feeling. If it's real, don't put it down. If it's real, share it. If it was good news to you, it's going to be good news to someone else. I just finished just a little while ago teaching my Sunday school class. We were studying the book of Ezekiel, and I know others of you as well. I have several sermons over the years I've preached on Ezekiel. In chapter 37, where our Sunday school lesson was on this morning. Ezekiel told by God, you go down this valley. He goes down this valley and it's full of dry bones. And God said, Ezekiel, talk to the bones. And Ezekiel, I think, said, say what? And God said, talk to the bones. Talk to the bones. And while you're talking to the bones, I'm going to do something. And what did God do? He took those dried bones, remember? He put them all back together. He said, this is what I'm going to do to the nation of Israel, my people. Folks, there are dry bones in our churches today. And God is ready to put life back into us. And He wants to put it back. But there has to be a receptive individual 
who's going to allow it to be done. I told our Sunday school class this morning, I said, you know, if when Brother Kirby sent me a note and said, could you fill in for me? You preach, but nobody's going to listen to you. I think I'd have said, no, preacher, I don't think I want to do that today. But God said that to Ezekiel, didn't he? He said, they're not going to listen to you, but you preach. And God gave him vision upon vision upon vision. And he did what he was told to do. And he never gave up. Christian, never give up on what God has told you to do. God gives you the power. We have the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. We have God's word to depend upon. And that's it. As a child of God. So I look at it and I think to myself, you know, when glory fills a house, it is when God's people come together as a body, as one, to be involved in what God is trying to do in this place, in this community, in our little corner of the world. And I know our pastor has a heart and a passion for this, for more people to come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And in order for us to have our part in there's got to be some joy, some happiness, some peace, something there that maybe we don't have right now. i tell you what, if God is in this place right now, He's here with power. And let's take away the if, if and say God is in this place right now. God has been here through the music. He's been here through the prayers, through the attempt to preach His Word. But God is here. And God, He isn't done with us yet. Just think for a moment as I pause. Do you feel the glory of God in this place this morning? Look at the person next to you. That's a miracle. A miracle of God. And God takes all these miracles. And he brings us all together. And he puts us where he wants us. And then we become the body of Christ. We become one in Jesus Christ. In order for the power and the glory of God to be in this sanctuary. People have to be present with open hearts and minds. Make the sacrifices which God might lead us to need to do and then to depend upon his word. When that happens, the glory of God will be active in us and through us. Not good English, but God ain't done with us yet. There's so much more to do. Let's do it. Father, we thank you for the time together, for your patience, your love, your goodness, your grace, your forgiveness. We thank you, Father, for sending your Son to save sinners such as we are. Take that which possesses us, which is evil and sin, and through confession and through faith, you make us all new all over again. So, Father, do that with us today, each of us. Help us, Father, to realize your power. 
and to understand the need that we have, the need that we have to be faithful to you in every element of our life, in every area, and to feel your glory, your goodness, your grace, your forgiveness, and your strength. These moments are yours. Might will be open to being obedient in the call that you might make upon our life. If you're here this morning and God has spoken to you in some way and there's a decision you need to make, you know what it is. God will give you the strength to do it. It may be a public decision. It may be a personal, private decision you feel led to make right where you are. Then do it. But the prayer is simple. Might we do today what you ask of us? We stand together and sing our hymn invitation. If you're here and if God is speaking to you, we invite you to come in faithful obedience, not to the word of man, but to the word of God. Would you stand as we continue? Jesus is Remember, we're to pray for one another. Thank you, Dr. Marty. There are three sign-up sheets in both the breezeway as well as on the counter in the main lobby. Those are for the ladies to sign up for the Women's Bible Study, which will start on Thursday, January 20th, as well as the Men's Bible Study. And then there's one for the movie Lunch, which will be on Thursday the 27th. If you want to have lunch provided that day for you, it will be a cost of $5, but we do need to know how many lunches to purchase. So please sign that if you are planning to come to the lunch. If you are coming just for the movie, you do not need to sign up, but I encourage you to come for free popcorn and water as we watch The Hiding Place, the movie based on Corey Ten Boom's experience. Also, this coming week on Thursday, at 11 o'clock, the memorial service for Diana Lay will be here in our sanctuary. And I know we've been praying for Judy, her sister, and the family. 
and you'll want to come and be part of that celebration of Diana's life on Thursday. Single only sisters will meet on Thursday afternoon at two o'clock. In the bulletin is a, a number for you to rejoice with me about seeing that. The Lighting Moon Christmas offering, have you read how much you've given already? And I know we have more coming in. We've taken the offering envelopes out of the pew racks, but if you have not taken opportunity to give what God is asking you to contribute toward that offering, just mark on any envelope that it's for Lottie Moon, and it will be added to the $25,606.36. Isn't that wonderful? Thank you. Thank you. And then you will see our Just One Thing, the food need for January, peanut butter, canned protein, and other items that are listed there. On the back of the bulletin, there's a number of other things upcoming in the month, and I hope you will take advantage of all of those. Al Jackson, one of our two newly elected deacons, is going to come and lead us in our closing prayer as we stand. Pray with me, please. Didn't our hearts really burn today? Because we heard the word. Jesus is in our presence. He was right among us today. But as the word was being hurled around, preached today, he was talking to us, and he was telling us, <laughs> don't forsake the assembly of ourselves together, as some do. We come together to rejoice <coughs> over God and his rich, rich mercy. Hmm. He spoke about dry bones. Well, you know, we were dead ourselves. Our bones was dry. But Jesus, the love of God, he sent his son to revive us, sent his son to redeem us. Oh, thank you, Brother Bob, for bringing that message to us today. Thank you for each Bible teacher today as they spoke in the book of Ezekiel. As you spoke then, you're speaking now to us. It's been said there's nothing new under the sun. It's been long, old, a long time ago. But Father, if there's one who's in the audience today who don't know Christ and a part of his or her sin, may this be the day of salvation. And Lord, when we leave here, that we go in our neighborhood. It's not the pastor and priest's uh, uh, job alone to be witnesses. We all to be witnesses for the Lord. And no more than tell what has happened to us. Now, Father, as we prepare to go to our several homes, pray that we will go rejoicing because we have been together with other like believers. So today, Lord, 
Thank you. Now we ask you to remember our pastor and his family, Lord, as they recuperate, and their family as well. And many more that weren't able to be here today, Lord, we ask your blessing upon them. And as we go, Lord, may we go sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. In his precious name we pray and thank you. Amen.